turn to 1 Corinthians 13, continuing on with our series on this chapter. Let's read the chapter together. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. For the text, we return to verse 4. And consider the words, is kind. Charity is kind. This passage of the Word of God brings us to sit again and to look with a studied gaze at the portrait of true Christian love that is being painted before our eyes. And last week, we saw the bold base color of that portrait being painted upon the canvas. The bold colors of charity suffereth long. Now, the inspired text adds more depth and texture to this portrait of love as it paints upon the canvas a milder and a warmer color that is equally important and equally a part of the whole portrait of love. Charity is kind. And the bold Strong color of long-suffering patience fits perfectly with the soft, warm color of kindness. And that face of love takes on added depth. And in it we see more and more of Jesus Christ and who He is to us and what the Christ-like love of gratitude that we ought to live toward one another is. 
Let us not miss the important connection between long-suffering, patience, and kindness. The apostle puts them together here on purpose and in fact links them very closely. When you look at verse 4, the apostle says, In one breath charity suffereth long and is kind. And the conjunction and is in italics in our King James Version, indicating that it is supplied by the translators. The Greek text doesn't even have that. The Greek text reads, Charity suffereth long is kind. And that highlights a very important fact for us, that long-suffering and patience fit with kindness. Really, they go hand in hand. They are two sides of the same coin, if you will. And elsewhere in Scripture, we find these two graces set side by side. For example, in the Apostles, setting forth of the main fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Verse 22, we find this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace... Long-suffering, gentleness. And that word gentleness is the word kindness. Much the same as the verb form that we have in our text. Long-suffering, kindness. And in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6, as the apostle describes the characteristics that ought to be evident in the ministry, the genuine ministry of a servant of God, he says this. That a minister of Christ is proven by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. And there again you have long-suffering and kindness put side by side as attributes, attitudes, and actions of unfeigned love. Long-suffering is really the negative side of the coin, you might say. It's bearing with another, whereas kindness is the positive side, which must be there alongside the negative side. As we bear with, we also are called to reach out warmly and tenderly to the neighbors, the brother, the sister that God places in Our life. Both are love in action. And love in action should exemplify both patience and kindness. And so now we're going to look at the positive side of this coin. Coming again to 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Our theme is love is kind. Love is kind. What, how, why. What does it mean that love, charity, is kind? Kindness, according to scripture, can be defined somewhat like this. It's a mindset or an attitude. A mindset or an attitude of goodwill and tender-hearted concern for another person. That in the first place. Kindness starts in the heart and in the mind. It's a mindset or an attitude of goodwill towards someone, tender-hearted concern for someone, from which flows generous, mild, gentle conduct. Conduct being The way we carry ourselves towards someone. The way we behave. The way we act. A mindset of goodwill. 
tender-hearted concern from which flows generous, mild conduct. And now the last part. Generous, mild, gentle conduct that is aimed at building up that other person. That's kindness's goal. The goal of kindness is building someone up. Whether that be spiritually, whether that be physically, whether that be emotionally. Building them up. All of that is really packed into the word kind that we have here in the text. The word kind means to treat people in a mild, meek gentle and gracious manner. And we can understand that idea when we contrast kindness with its opposite. Kindness is the opposite of hard-heartedness. One who is hard-hearted doesn't feel for other people. He will not or cannot place himself in another's shoes. When he sees the trouble or the hurt of another person, he is not moved. Not moved like Jesus was in Matthew 14 verse 14 when he saw the needy people coming to him as sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says he had compassion on them. And that word compassion means he was moved deep down in his gut. There was a pang, a feeling for them, a powerful feeling that moved him to take action, to heal their sick, to teach them many things. Kindness is the opposite of hard-heartedness. It is tender-heartedness that is moved when it comes into contact with the distress or the trouble or the needs of another person. We see that, for example, in Ephesians 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32, where the Apostle Paul gives this exhortation to the Christians in Ephesus, Be ye kind. To one another. Same word as we have in our text. The same root. Be ye kind to one another. And then immediately after that he says. Tender hearted. That describes what kindness is. And how kindness is manifest. A tender heartedness. And this kind tender heartedness. Shows itself in forgiving one another. Even as Christ has forgiven us. That's kindness. Kindness is the opposite of hard heartedness. It is a tender heartedness that leads to gentle, gracious, generous conduct towards others. Another opposite of kindness is harshness. Harshness. Kindness has a softness to it, a warmth to it that is very different than harsh and cold. And this softness of kindness is not weakness, but is in fact the strength of kindness. God is kind to us, and that does not make God weak. In fact, God's strength is shown in His kindness towards us when we are a people who so offend Him and make ourselves unworthy of such gracious words and works that He renders toward us. Kindness has a softness which is a strength. It is not harsh, but gentle. You go back to Galatians 5, verse 22, referenced in the introduction. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, 
And the word there is kindness, as I said a moment ago, but the King James translators didn't miss the mark when they translated it gentleness, because gentleness is bound up in the idea of kindness itself. Therefore, we also read in Colossians 3 verse 12, Put on, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Kindness is couched among those other virtues of grace. And they all shed light upon the conduct of the kind person. When one is kind, one is humble, one is meek, one has bowels of mercy toward another person. That's biblical kindness. Now there's yet another nuance to this word kind in the text and the biblical idea of kindness. And that additional nuance is usefulness, something that is serviceable. Elsewhere, this word kind is used in that way, to refer to something that's useful. And that makes this very important point. Kindness is not something that's useless. Kindness is not what we would often call in our language today, just being nice. Kindness is much more than that. It is not an empty niceness, but it is a principled action that flows from an understanding of the gospel that treats others intentionally the way God treats me. Biblical kindness is principled kindness, patterned after God's own kindness, and therefore it is useful, it is fruitful, it is serviceable, it is useful for the good of other people. And that brings us to that last part of our definition of kindness. That kindness has a goal. And the goal is building up. Kindness is constructive. Harshness, hard-heartedness, cruelty contentiousness, and all of the other things that we could list as opposites of kindness, those things tear down. Those things are destructive. Kindness is constructive. It's useful. It's serviceable. One of many biblical examples that we could turn to to see the constructive nature of kindness can be found in Acts 28 verse 2. Acts 28 verse 2, the context here is Paul has appealed to Caesar. He's been taken in chains on board a ship and is sailing for Rome. You know what happened, that a great storm came upon the sea and Paul's ship was shipwrecked. And he and the others have their lives spared by the providence of God and they end up marooned on the island of Melita. And now in Acts 28 verse 2, we read about something that happens to them on that island. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. And the idea here is that these people showed Paul and his companions, his fellow prisoners as well as the Roman soldiers guarding them, showed them an unusual or an extraordinary kindness. And then this this is what that kindness consisted of. For they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. 
These people kindled a fire to keep these strangers warm. They received them in kindness. That's surprising in that day. Bunch of, bunch of vulnerable people from a shipwreck are on your beaches. Often a barbarous people would take them prisoner, enslave them, rob them, kill them, or do something else cruel to them. But these people received Paul and the others and showed them the kindness of kindling a fire so that they could be warm, giving them shelter from the rain and from the cold. That's kindness. A gentle conduct towards another person aimed at helping them, at blessing them, at building them up, at addressing a particular need that they have. So an illustration for us. As those who are called to love one another with a love that is kind. Kindness is constructive. We are to view our church community We are to view every area of our lives where God leads us. We're to view it as a kind of construction site. And we're called to labor in this construction site. And the labor we are called to is not the work of a vandal or an arsonist who goes around using his words, using his deeds, using his talents in order to tear building projects down or harm our fellow workers at the construction site or to promote ourselves at the expense of others. But we are called in our own vocation, in our own station to labor in this construction site where God has placed us to labor in love. Love that is kind. Love that builds up. Love that builds up. We are to be upbuilders, not vandals. Upbuilders with our tongues, with our words. Upbuilders with our hands. Upbuilders in the service that we render within the body of Christ. Not pulling bricks out. Not kicking down scaffolding. But putting bricks, one on top of another. Building. Where you see. In the spiritual house of God. Damage. Or a brick that's come loose. Or a hole that needs mending. Or paint. That has become. Defaced. Put that brick back into place. Get out our paintbrush and paint. You understand the figure. I'm not speaking literally. But speaking spiritually. That's. How we live among one another. Building each other up with kind words and kind actions. Because love is kind. And the sum of the law is love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And as we love our neighbor and love our brother and sister. That love infuses kindness. A tender hearted concern for one another. And that love infuses kindness into our actions. So that with word and deed. We make it our goal to build up. No explanation of kindness and what it means for love to be kind can be complete without us looking to God's kindness. And so here we wrap up the what. We wrap up the what by looking at kindness in its most exalted form. The supreme kindness of God himself. 
the good news of the gospel can be put simply this way. God is kind to his people. And do not those simple words touch our hearts? God is kind? The Almighty, the All-Holy, the Righteous, the Just, the Judge of all men, one who is well within his divine rights to destroy sinners, wipe men off the face of the earth as he did in the flood, this God is kind to us. In Ephesians 2, Paul describes the wonder of God's kindness manifest in salvation by grace. He says, when we were dead in sins, God quickened us together with Christ and raised us up together with Him and made us sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And then in verse 7, Ephesians 2 verse 7, he says, That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. The kindness, the tender hearted concern of God for us his unworthy people. That attitude of goodwill, undeserved favor toward us. In that we see the exceeding riches of his grace in that he is kind. Kind to us. Later in the New Testament, as Paul writes to Titus in chapter 3, he says in verse 3 that all of us were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. The ugly opposite of all that God is and all that delights God. And all that we should be. That's what we were. That's what we are by nature. But, verse 4 and 5. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the kindness and love of God toward man who has appeared, not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. In Jesus Christ we see the kindness of God, the goodwill, the tender-hearted concern and affection for his people from which then flows a divinely powerful action called salvation. In which he is generous to us. In which he is mild and tender toward us. In which he is gentle. Even as we sang in that beautiful last line of stanza 6 of Psalter 35. Thy gentleness has made me great. Jesus came down from heaven. And God the Son, the Almighty One. Became meek, gentle, lowly for us. Going even to the death of the cross. And there we see the kindness of God displayed in action. In a way that surpasses our understanding. In kindness for us, Christ went to the cross. 
in kindness toward us, He died. To build us up. He suffered Himself to be torn down. Torn down all His life long. By the reproaches of men. By the contradiction of sinners. By the holy fury of His own heavenly Father. As He stood in our place and bore the punishment our sins deserve. To build us up. Even on the cross, just as throughout his ministry, you see how Christ's heart beat with this beautiful kindness as the Roman soldiers drove the nails, betr- drove the nails through his hands. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Kindness. Kindness that is useful. Kindness that is effectual. Kindness that saved us. Behold your Savior, the kindness and love of God who has appeared. And oh, how this consoles the weary pilgrim and comforts the guilt laden sinner. The kindness of Jesus. Hear what he has to say to you in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy. And that word easy is the word kind. My yoke is kind. And my burden is light. And part of the idea there is that Christ is a kind Savior. As we come to Him with our burdens. As we come to Him with our sins. With our guilt. With our deficiencies. With our failures. With all of our trials. We bring it all to Him. And He is kind. He does not turn us away. He does not harshly lash out at us. He does not dismiss us in wrath. He does not oppress. But He is kind. He's lowly, he is meek, and in him we find the rest that our souls need. There we see how useful, how beneficial, how upbuilding, uplifting, burden taking the kindness of God in Christ is for us. That's kindness according to scripture. That's what it is. That's what it looks like. Now we progress to the necessary applications that must flow from this passage. How? As we love one another, how do we love each other with a love that is kind? Here I want to divide the applications up according to different groups of people. That God puts in our lives. And says to us. Be kind to them. Start. The logical starting point. Once again. The Christian home. In those close relationships. Of the family. Of marriage. What does kindness in the family look like? Well both marriage and the Christian home. The Christian family remember. Are designed by God to be. Faint yet beautiful pictures of God's covenant. 
And God's covenant is His relationship of love and friendship with His people in Jesus Christ. Thus, what the covenant is, ought to be reflected in our families. The love, the covenant love of God toward us is a kind love. The love we just looked at at the end of the first point. Now in our families, towards one another, husband to wife, parent to child, brother to sister, grandparents, relatives, all that fits within that Christian home, we love one another with a love that reflects that kindness of God's love toward us. This is an important dimension of love in marriage. The love that husband and wife have for one another, if that love is healthy, if that love is biblically shaped and biblically nourished, that love will be a kind love. A kind love that's going to manifest itself not as a hard-heartedness towards one another, but a tender-heartedness, a real genuine concern for one another, an interest in one another's lives, an affection, a care for one another. Gentle, not harsh. There's especially an application for us husbands The Bible contains this command so very often. Husbands, love your wife. And an essential ingredient of that love is kindness. That helps us understand that love as it's explained in Ephesians 5 verse 29. That a husband's love for his wife ought to be love that nourishes and cherishes. Only a kind love can nurture, nourish, and cherish. And Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Part of that is, be not harsh against them. Kindness. Tenderness. That builds up a marriage. So husbands and wives, if, if you live constantly at odds with each other, yes, there's sin. We're not always kind. In every marriage there is sin. And we must go to the foot of the cross with that sin. But if there is a pattern of unkindness. So that we're always biting at each other. Always criticizing each other. Always tearing each other down. We are creating a disfigured portrait. Of God's covenant love. Let us, by the power of the Spirit, love one another with love that is kind. Kind. And this applies then to parents in the raising of their children. Necessary for their growth and flourishing is that you love them, but the love with which you love them must be a kind love. Harshness. Undue harshness or an environment where a critical spirit prevails or where there are exacting standards to which a child can never measure up. Such things crush and cripple the spirit of a child. That's why Colossians 3 verse 21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged, lest they lose heart. 
And that's why one of the beautiful qualities of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 verse 26 is this, that she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. We ought to be resolved as parents to make that kindness felt by our children so that they do not Doubt it. That they know and feel our tender hearted concern and goodwill for them. That's part of building them up in the faith. Showing them what the love of God is like in our love for them. Now, of course, biblical kindness doesn't cancel out diff- discipline. We know that. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. It's not kind to shrink from discipline, as is the danger in our day. Because in our day, kindness is redefined as being simply nice and not doing anything that's going to ruffle anyone's feathers. No, there must be discipline. But that discipline must not emerge out of anger, but out of love. Tempered by kindness. Word for you children. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 has something to say about how you live too. Towards mom and dad. Kind. Be kind. That's how you love them. That's part of how you love them. How, how do you be kind to dad and mom? Well, don't speak badly about them behind their backs to your friends or to their face. Be thankful for them and all that they do for you and tell dad and mom that. It shows kindness. And when you're in, ho- in the home with your brothers and sisters, or when you're in the school with your classmates, that's your construction site. Build people up with your words. Don't be someone who goes around the home or the school breaking things down with your words, with your actions, but build up with kind words. Love is kind in the home. But now we expand to the broader family of faith. What does kindness lived out look like in the broader family of faith? One of the things that can be said up front is that kindness in the church shows itself simply as friendliness. Among the society of God's covenant friend servants, there ought to be friendliness that prevails In our conduct towards one another. Friendliness that has a certain openness about it. So that we're approachable. And can approach one another. After all the church is a family of faith. The church, the communion of saints shouldn't be like that distant family reunion which feels incredibly awkward because everyone's standoffish because nobody really knows each other and so everyone keeps their distance from each other. No, when love pervades the body of Christ and when love is kind, that kindness manifests itself in an openness and a friendliness to one another. A desire not to stand back But to reach out and a desire to draw others in to my circle of friendship and fellowship. 
In our conversation then, this means acknowledging one another, greeting one another in a friendly way, showing interest in one another's lives, concern and care for one another's thoughts and perspectives. Not being so self-absorbed that we don't have the time of day for other people. It can be a danger sometimes, especially when life is so busy. Friendliness. Not the mindset This can be a danger too. I'll mind my own business. You mind yours. Let's keep a comfortable distance. I'll not look too closely at you. You don't look too closely at me. And we can both keep up the happy appearance of having it all together. If we just stand at a distance. But in the body of Christ... We've been brought together to be a spiritual family. And where love prevails, love which is kind, fear diminishes. Fear of being seen for who I really am. Fear of having other people know about my struggles and my pains and my sufferings and my faults. Where love is kind and where kind love prevails, there can be openness. And where there is openness, kindness can do its work. Brothers and sisters can minister to one another when they see the needs of one another. And that leads to the second application to bring out in this connection. Kindness in the church. Kindness means being on the lookout for people in the household of faith who need building up. Talk about watchmen on the walls of Zion. The elders are placed as watchmen on the walls of Zion. They're to watch for enemies coming from without. They're to watch over the flock from within. But from another perspective, every Christian is a watchman who is to look in on the life of the people within Zion to watch looking for needs. Looking for open doors to serve. Situations where a helping hand may bring blessing or where my particular gift or ability may be able to meet a need. That's kindness in action. Kindness sniffs out the needs that exist in the body of Christ. And that goes back again to the importance of friendliness and openness among the family of faith. Being able to be vulnerable with each other and not always on our guard. Because when we're open, then kindness can see where there are needs. Or where and when someone could use a word to build them up. An encouraging word, a helping hand. A gift, a card, a visit, a meal. Ordinary little things like that often can mean so much more than you'd expect. That's love that is kind. Jesus himself teaches us that. For example, in Matthew 10 verse 42 where he says, Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. And so come back to the illustration. This, beloved, is our construction site. This congregation, this church. We're called to be devoted upbuilders. Let us all be on the lookout for where a brick might need to be fit back in place or a bit of paint touched up 
or where there is a big project that needs a lot of work to be finished. On the lookout for where we can build one another up. What does kindness to the stranger look like? Called to love our neighbor. Neighbor is a bigger category than brother and sister in Christ. We're to be kind to our neighbors. Here, friendliness comes back into the foreground. Friendliness that arises from love for our neighbor is important. Indeed, one of the kindest things we can do to our neighbor who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ is to witness to them, to speak to them and show them the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel which reveals the kindness of God. What a powerful message that is in our cruel world. When we're friendly to our neighbors, when we are kind, there we show the spiritual antithesis. The antithesis is not a physical thing. Shrinking and drawing back and making sure that I stay physically distant from my neighbors. The antithesis is a spiritual thing. And we draw that line of the antithesis sharply when we're friendly and kind and loving to our neighbors because that stands out. That's different than the world. That may, in the Lord's providence, open up a door for witnessing to them. Bringing them to church. Bringing them to Bible study. And being of use to God for the gathering of a lost sheep. That's a way to draw the line of the antithesis, spiritual separation. Showing the love of Christ in a powerful way that's different than the world. And so let's keep that in mind in our interaction with our neighbors, in our interaction with a visitor who may walk into church. Let's be a people who are quick to go to them. Speaking a kind word to them. Even though it sometimes requires breaking out of our comfort zones. And that's good for us because our comfort zones stubbornly want to stay as constricted as possible. But sometimes comfort zones become prison walls that stifle kindness and suffocate our reaching out. And we miss opportunities. It's healthy for us as God's people to be constantly pushing those walls of our comfort zone out and out and out so that more people fit in. And stepping outside that comfort zone with a word and act of kindness or service. It's living the gospel. And so another concrete way to show kindness towards strangers is, in fact, hospitality. Something that may sound a bit unfamiliar. But it's biblical. In 1 Peter 4 verse 9, the apostle says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. And of course, that's an encouragement to us in the household of faith to open up our homes and open up our lives to one another. But that word hospitality is literally love of the stranger. One of the ways that we can minister, show the gospel and witness to the neighbor. He's getting to know them. Meeting for coffee. Maybe even inviting them over for dinner. Letting them see what. What. The Christian life really looks like. It's hard. I know it's a word that pricks my soul. Because it's not something I've ever done. With an unbelieving neighbor. Something to think about. How powerful a witness that could be. 
What does kindness to the sinner look like? Love is kind. Love pursues the true good of another. And that means the sinner too. Love that is kind then seeks to help. The sinner that you know in your family who may be struggling with a sin. A brother or sister in the congregation. Love in its appropriate way seeks to bring that sinner to repentance and to see them restored. Easily the response that we can have when we hear of a sin or we hear of the fall of another person is to talk and talk and talk about it. Sometimes Christians can stumble and fall into a sort of self-righteous horror at the sin of others as if we have made ourselves to differ. But love, love seeks the restoration of the sinner. Love is kind, even as it addresses sin with the sinner. Think about Jesus, how he dealt with the Samaritan woman at the well. Or the woman caught in adultery who is dragged to him by that self-righteous mob of scribes, Pharisees, and others. How Jesus never once countenanced sin, never once condoned it, never softened the requirements of God's word. And yet, even as he sought repentance, he was kind. And that's God's way of dealing with us, isn't it? In Romans 2, verses 3 and 4, we read, And thinkest thou this, O man, that thou judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God, and goodness there is the word kindness, the kindness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So as we minister to someone who has fallen into sin in our lives, as the church works with sinners, Never must sin be tolerated or countenanced. Never must we shrink from bringing the word, the firm word of God, to bear upon that sin. But as that labor goes forward, a spirit of kindness ought to prevail even here. Even here. And that shows us that kindness, kindness can be firm and sometimes it needs to be firm. Psalm 141 verse 5 says, Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. The smite, the blow, the reproof, the reproach of a righteous man, when done righteously, done in love, is a kindness. Even though it sometimes stings or hurts. And so in all of these ways, we show Love that is kind to the brother, the sister, the neighbor that God has placed in our lives. Why? Why? Simple answer to the question why is because God is kind to me. It's that simple. And that simple answer changes everything. Why? Because God is kind to me. Have you ever had an experience that you would call life-changing? A life-changing experience? 
People talk about life-changing experiences in various ways, an experience that fundamentally altered their course of life, changed the way they lived, changed their perspective on some important question or issue, or changed their thinking or outlook altogether. A life-changing experience. Some of those experiences are hard, they're painful. Like the death of a loved one, or the betrayal suffered from a spouse, or an intense bout of sickness that leaves permanent damage and consequences. Others may be positive. Marriage is certainly a life-changing experience. Or some would say a trip to a foreign land where they lived among Christians of another culture and it opened their eyes so that they came back to the United States and their perspective was changed. Life-changing experiences. We have those. But if you're a Christian, you have a far greater life-changing experience than any of these. And this life-changing experience is ongoing. In fact, it's a lifelong life-changing experience. And that's the experience of the tender-hearted kindness of God toward you in Jesus Christ. You think about the Christian life that way. The Christian life involves daily experiencing the untold kindness of God to you. When you commit that sin again, God doesn't, in that moment, strike you down. He's kind in Jesus Christ. When we, like the children in Israel, are so discontent and murmuring and backbiting and using our gifts for self rather than Him and all of the rest, God is not only patient in bearing with us, we've seen the long-suffering of God, but the flip side is true as well. He's kind. He moves us to repentance by the work of His Spirit. And even though the righteous God must smite us at times, His smiting is a kindness to us. He's kind. Think about your own life. Your own walk with the Lord. How many ways have you experienced His kindness to you? Have you experienced the lifting of that heavy yoke of the burden of your sin when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed and instead you experience that blessed, kindly yoke of Jesus Christ placed upon your shoulders? Have you experienced the words of the psalmist in Psalm 18 verse 35 which we sang, Thy gentleness hath made me great. Thy gentleness hath lifted me up from the miry clay, made me great, empowered me to live a new life, a lifelong life-changing experience. Experience in living out of the kindness of God toward us. How desperately lost I was. And God was kind. While I was yet his enemy, he showed me kindness. I offend him every day. And he still showers his kindness upon me. How fully he meets my every need, though I have nothing to give him in return. Christ. Kindness of God. Took that cup from me. That cup 
that I otherwise should have drank to its last drop, the cup of God's wrath, and on the cross, kindly, He drained that cup Himself to give me more than a cup of cold water, but to give me and to give you the cup of salvation that eternally runneth over with His blessings, that in His kindness we may experience the exceeding riches of His grace. That's God, His love, in action toward us. What a life-changing experience that reorients us, turns us around, makes us say, if this is how God dealt with me, how can I treat others around me in any other way than A way that reflects Him and His kindness. The experience of Christ's kindness begets kindness in us. So that our lives take on the shape of Christ-like kindness to one another. Why? Why? Why do we want to do this? Why? Ought we to strive to do this? Because He was kind to me. And now, the most blessed thing for me to do, the most joyful thing, is to live in such a way that others can see His portrait in my life. May the Lord strengthen us to do that. To love. Love that is kind. Amen. Our faithful God and heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this instruction. Christian love. The kindness of love. We have experienced that kindness of Thee our God toward us. May the fruit of it be a kindness that is rich and bountiful. Toward one another. This we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.